This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the preview show edition of the Blue Monday podcast, a three times weekly show looking into all things Ipswich Town. I'm your host, Richard Woodward, and I'm delighted to welcome back the brilliant Harry from Bath. Harry, how's it going? All good at this end, Rich. All good. A fantastic week and still on something of a high after last week's live show. It was great, wasn't it? I was thinking that I needed to get Space Odyssey, 2001 Space Odyssey, booming in the background for my intro. Um, But that's that's, that's a Blue Monday Live thing, I think. We'll keep that for that, shall we? Uh Please. It wasn't too much, was it, that intro? <laughs> no, it was fine. No, it was good fun. It was good fun. There was a lot of love in the room, and that was fantastic. And I, I, the thing I would say to it is, you know, Rich and I, we, we put out this show. We're just, we're just fans. Ben says this all the time. We're just supporters trying to make sense of it all and sort of find out, piece together what we know and try and, try and make sense of it. But, uh, you know, Rich and I will put this together on a Thursday evening and then afterwards I'll go in and, and have supper and have a chat at home and think, well, say, oh, well, I think we did this well and this well. You've no idea what the response is like. So the live show, from our point of view, was utterly wonderful to get so many kind comments, such kind feedback and to meet everybody. It was really, really appreciated. And I uh, just want to say a heartfelt thank you to you all a for coming, giving up your evenings to come along and for um, and for, for sharing so much kind feedback. Deeply, deeply appreciated. Yeah, that's yeah. how I felt. She done about, done about you. Absolutely but that's, right. Uh, yeah, that's, and I guess awesome. I, I have some moderate apologies to make because I was in kind of when I, when life is stressful, I generally go into lockdown mode, and there was so much stuff that could have gone wrong on Saturday. The great thing is it didn't, mm-hmm. and and I, and everything no. went like clockwork. The um, Stu, the sound guy, he was brilliant. Um, all the venue, yeah. I think, was just the right size. I think we just had about enough chairs. But I'm there, kind of, with this laptop full of stuff, waiting for a cable to fail or a battery to go wrong or a video yeah. to die or something like that. And none of that happened. But until I could get to the end, I couldn't really enjoy it. So apologies if anyone came up and thought, I'll "Tell you what, Rich is oh. a bit of an ass, isn't he?" It was, no, it was purely no, the stress no. of making it all work, and I'm glad it did. So please come and say hello yeah. if you spot me at. I'll yeah. be at Wigan and Reading and all that stuff, and um, hopefully yeah. I wasn't too abrupt with anyone. But um, yeah, really enjoyable, yeah. and um, you said it on the night as well. 
kudos to Ben and Shaley as well for for just making yeah. it all happen and um, sorting us all out. And uh, yeah, it was great fun. And thank you everyone for coming. You know, paying money and giving up your Saturday evening to come and uh, sit with us and chat football. Um, mm. Nothing better, really. I just could have done with maybe yeah. a few more beers, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wonderful wonderful evening it was great as well to be able to thank ben because we we work with ben a lot behind the scenes people don't know what it's like working with him off camera as it were and the guy's an absolute star he put so much into this and um it's uh you know it's, we're just a just a kind bunch of fans really all just trying to make as i say make sense of the world and uh and ben is he's he's such a gentle guiding hand for us all so um it was great to be able to thank him as well because if anyone deserves it he really does yeah what's on it's great and it sounds like great evening that might not be the last of them either so um we're, tra- yeah, we're trying no, to we... get a uh, southwest slash midlands location maybe lined up maybe an away trip but mm. the guys weren't having yeah. that were they so i think it'll be kind no. of switch, but... yeah no, we were chatting about it on, on the whatsapp group and i kind of pitched in the idea of having one up in norwich and uh we, we thought just <laughs> behind just enemy lines. Them you probably <laughs> absolutely you need a you need, you need a police guard though for that one i think and passports and driving license yes you wouldn't, you wouldn't be let off the border oh, yes. absolutely no i don't think we'll go there anyway we won't great stuff and and on, the, on a related point, I do want to say, and I'm saying it early, Rich, we're, we're doing this again on Thursday evening, Rich has put up a sliding doors video looking at 10 moments in ITFC history over probably the last 20 or so years where had the door slid in a different way, the future, the outcome could have been very, very different and positive. Well worth watching, very insightful, thoughtful, brilliant, and quite forensic as well. When you look back and think, oh God, he's absolutely right. I won't spoil, no spoilers in terms of the detail, but the it's on YouTube. If you can't find it, look on at Ipswich or it's on the app, the Blue Monday. Um, uh, it's on the app, app Blue Monday um ITFC, uh, Twitter feed, Twitter, yeah. ITFC, ITF, Blue Monday, ITFC. It's 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 got to be watched. It is absolutely got to be watched. It's um, it's it's one of those. I'm gonna. I've watched it once. I want to go away and watch it two or three more times just oh. to let let it go through the filter beds. It's very very insightful. Um, thank you. Rich, Harry. Is, now, Rich, Rich is now probably. I, I'm, I'm talking straight to the camera. I'm not looking at his face, but <laughs> it is. It's it's the mother of all plugs because it really deserves it. So anyway, there it is. Oh, so I appreciate that's that. Harry. A, yeah, another another good thing during the week if you've got a quiet bit. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. been a few weeks, if not a month, maybe a month or two in the in the, in the works. That um, and, mm. and and I recorded the um, the this week in ITFC history for Stat and Dave, and then part way through, I think their first game was. Um, 3-2 against Sheffield United in the 92-93 yeah. season when it snowed. I remember that game. I was there. Um, and it just got worse as the night went on. Um, and then at the end of it, um, I think Dave piped up going, I'll tell you what, you know, um, Sheffield United end up getting relegated that season. They they go down with the last kick of the last match of that season. And Dave was saying, oh, I'll tell you what, you know, if we hadn't, if we hadn't stayed up that season, the next season where we got, you know, smashed by Man United 9-0 and that, that wouldn't yeah. have happened. Yeah. And then I think Stats said, oh yeah, but we would have never got Burley. That is number nine on my list. It was almost of a beta. Yeah. I was going, no guys, don't, don't, don't. But it was a perfect segue. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's, from my time watching ITFC, so it goes back, um, I guess the yeah, 92-93 season will be the first one. Um, yeah. Please watch it. Please retweet if you like it. If I've got anything, if I've missed anything, um, ping us a tweet or a comment in the video as well. But yeah, thank you very much for mentioning it, Harry. I'll probably Not do a all. subtle plug at the end as well. But yeah. um, hopefully it's, people enjoy it. 
it is very good. It really is. Yeah. Let's um let's um look forward a little bit. Well, let's let's move through the week because there was a couple yeah. of bits of action. We'll should yeah. we start with Stoke. Let's let's go yeah. back to the Stoke one. I I'd quite like to talk yeah. about the Coventry under twenty three match, but let's let's do Stoke yeah. first. Let's do it in chronological order. Um, one all. Um, good last minute draw. And we love a last minute goal, don't we, Harry? And a yeah. goal from a corner as well. That's that's been yeah. fairly rare. Um, what are your thoughts? I, I guess the one thing I would pick out, and you mentioned it. Is that they might go to the four five one? They might yeah. um, dump the diamond, and um, that was how it played out. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was, and and it did worry me because Ince in all was always the one we've always been struggled when you come up against a player who's a bit quick and a bit direct. And Ince in the first game up there in the wet and windy December afternoon, he um, he did us. We, we it was quite all game, and then suddenly a moment of real class. And I was frightened. I, did, I was hoping that they'd stick with the diamond because when they played it the previous week against Wigan, the highlights were painful they were so static that you could see they were all worried about where, where do i need to be where do i need to be rather than actually thinking about the game um so they were they played with more fluidity against us um yeah. the goal was oh dear we there was a very funny there was a very funny poll on twtd where somebody, where there were the various options for who to blame i think there was bart uh jonas um pennington um, and Brenner Woolley, I think, or a combination, or a combination of them all. It was something like that, anyway. And Brenner Woolley got a lot of votes, which I thought was rather funny. Nothing against, you know, that's it's just a great unwashed, I suppose, just having their word. But anyway, it's uh, the. Um, but that aside, it, I I felt Bark. I've always wanted him to be a bit more vocal. I've yeah. seen other games where he needs to be just, you know, this is my area, and you're going to damn well do what I tell he you. He should have clattered and everyone out of the way. He, he just should have just, just taken taken everybody out, anybody else, the referee, anyone in the way, just <laughs> take them all out. My ball, end of discussion. But still, as I say, some good came out of it with the late goal. Um, the, a couple of thoughts. The pattern of the game, a couple, a couple of side points. Um, allow for the fact that tiredness had an impact. Three games in six days. It hasn't been discussed. Mm. And I wonder whether that did play a part in some of the slightly ragged play from the younger players. And this illness that's been game. going around as well. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Helped. yeah. So I think we should cut them a bit of slack for that, particularly as the first game, you know, was against Norwich. This wasn't an easy week. Norwich, Frank Lampard, Starby and Stoke, you know, mm. that's, a th- that's, that's three big games. So allow for that. Um, but else, what else? Judges chipped corner. I have to say this: it was so like Aaron Cresswell. That's what it reminded me of. Cresswell, do you remember his late goal against Dar- when we got the late winner against Derby, the Johnny Williams night? Cresswell put one of those corners in. I love a chipped corner rather than just one that's driven or floated because yeah. a chipped one. You beat the first man. It's still got some pace and tempo, and you and you're working with the angle against you, so you can actually drill it in with some power. It just and, landed uh, lovely on Keane's head, didn't it? It, it was, was just perfect. perfect. Absolutely nailed it. It yeah. was brilliant. So that was superb as well. And it praise to Lambert. I drew. I written, wrote down here. The tactical switch for the goal was the sort of thing that managers have been doing to us all season. They'll spot something. They'll make a tiny little. Little, a little flick, something new, something a bit different, and they'll completely unlock us. And sending on Inciala right at the oh, end was yes. just, it was absolute gamesmanship. It was brilliant. Apparently, I didn't see, was it, was it, was it Dave was saying it, or was it Ben, was that he was screaming, Lambert was saying, he's got to get on, he's got to get on. He was kind of hammering at the fourth official, <laughs> let him on before the corner gets taken. And it caused complete confusion. I went on the Stoke Forum uh, uh, just to see what they were saying about it. They were doing they're not. They were absolutely furious. They saw what had happened. Jones was mugged by Lambert, basically, was the way, was their version of the narrative, that he should have seen this coming. Why wasn't there someone on the back post? Everybody was standing there. Nobody was doing anything. And it just, it was superb. It really was. Side point to that, the, plow, the crowd played a huge part in that equaliser. 
do not underestimate it. I was sitting in the co-op. We could see the mosh pit that was the North Stand. <laughs> It was phenomenal. As I say, you know, sitting, you know, as I say, you, you reach a certain age when the co-op is really where you want to go. Anyway, no, I, I like to go. To get this is, to this the is the, the, our show is like the the podcast equivalent of the co-op stand, isn't it? I like to it, it is. It is. A, it's a version of that exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, what's 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 Ben's word? Um, highbrow. That's the word. But uh, but watching. No. But watching. Uh, we could see the atmosphere. And Lambert, I know some of it might say it's him just. You know, trying to get everybody enthused, which is what he does. But it was genuine. You could see, you know, and you could see the Stoke players looking at this. And I picked up some feedback from another town fan during the week saying that after the game, the Stoke players were saying to um, our some of um, people on our side, some of our uh, some of our, our backroom staff, that they were surprised at the atmosphere. They thought one nil up against a team rooted to the table. They'd have expected us to go. To, to, to fall apart but it wasn't like that we just kept at them and at them and at them and I do think mirroring forward to Wigan we'll talk more about it later that is a weapon we actually have got you know if after an hour it's nil all and they're not playing well oh we should be beating this lot they're at the bottom of the table you're not mm. and, and and you know we, we may not be we might be bottom of the table but I don't think we're playing like a bottom of the table team at the moment we may not be playoffs quality but we're not you know we're not falling apart the confidence is coming together in, in the course of the flow of the game, Rich, the other things I picked up were from where I was sitting, you could see the balance coming into the team. Several times when we were breaking forward, there was one incident late in the game, I think it was Edwards and certainly Bree on the right-hand side. They linked up quite well, though. Eh? He did. They, both of them played. Bree particularly, I was very impressed with him. Mm. Very, very composed, particularly in the, in a, in the, in the diamond for the, where the left, the, the full-backs get stressed. You know, as a right-back, he was holding his own. But when he was breaking forward, there were suddenly four breaking into the box. Under Hurst, that simply wasn't happening. You might get one if you were lucky breaking in. And just as equally, in the first half, there were a couple of instances, once with Edwards, I think twice with Inns, where they were hitting us on the counter, Stoke. They were breaking forward. And I looked at one station and I said, hang on, there's five town players coming back to cover. You could see the shape and the balance and the energy within the team was definitely there and just just that semblance of sort of organization a structure, and and there, yeah. structure is definitely there so um anything else no there no as i say you know being optimistic we could be really cooking by march if this continues as i say we knew it was always going to take a few weeks to get the attacking quartet working and to get you know to start playing with more creative form but against that though we are playing cup football now really we can't wear defeats in big games including Wigan but uh, but it's really great to see oh, the, the direction of travel is fantastic at the moment that's my that's yeah, my six no, I, I agree with you. all of that and, and I think yeah. the symbolism of the late goal as well so there was a there was a not mm. giving up which is important yeah. there was a goal from a set piece which as I mentioned we haven't been particularly prolific at for quite a while actually um, yeah. so I think that kind of was a good endorsement and as you say the atmosphere was really good and what I love is, is this season and I've, I'm not sure I've heard it for quite a while and unless it's a specific, like a one-off game where there's just such a great outcome or it's been really pivotal the the atmosphere continues after the final whistle doesn't it the, I love those videos on the pitch that the club yeah. do but actually yeah. even when the players have walked down the tunnel you can still hear the blue action guys still yeah. going on you can hear people walking out of the stadium chanting as well and I think you know there's a lot of maybe cynicism about Lambert kind of stoking this up and trying to get, you know, and then it's a bit of a facade. And we've talked about this before. Do you know what? I think it's just good that people want to be at the ground and want to contribute to the atmosphere. And if oh, yeah. Lambert needs to kind of do that and, and people maybe, you know, see it as a cynical thing, I, I think it's just so important just to 
build everyone's joy of being at the match yeah. up yeah. again. I, I, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of it, and long may it continue as well. Yeah, hear her, hear her. Um, um, I was quickly going to so, um, talk Coventry. That's Coventry, right. you went to the under twenty threes game. Yeah. Yes, I took well, half uh, an hour off work, and it was um, mm -hmm. wet, cold, um, and Ipswich lost. And I, uh, the only highlight, and this is a, a nod of my cap to Mikey, and a really lovely sausage roll in the Rico Arena afterwards. That was the, that was the uh, highlight of the day. Um, yeah, we went down 1-0. Coventry with a better team in the first half. Um, yeah. And it was a similar story for us for most of the game, particularly in the second half when we had a lot more of the ball that around the 18-yard box. We just couldn't make it click. Um, and the keeper didn't really have a huge amount to do. What when he did have things to do, it was Corey Adai. He's quite a big, he's quite a big lanky keeper. Um, yeah. There was a few flaps, and you kind of thought, you know, maybe there's a chance to test him a little bit more. But we didn't really do that. Um, yeah. So uh, it was my first time seeing the under twenty threes this season, and there was yeah a few players that caught my eye. Um, mm -hmm. One Corey and Darba who signed his new first yeah. pro deal this week um, looked quite physical. I like the look of Brett McGavin. I don't know if you picked up any of these when you saw them earlier in the season. I saw El Mazzuni was the one who caught my eye. He yeah, was, so um, he was okay. He, was... he, I'm not sure he played in a position that worked for him, or the system didn't really work for him. He had yeah. he was good on the ball, but I didn't see a huge amount of him. Um, yeah. He was kind of the honourable mentions along with Barry Cotter, who is who was playing a centre back, um, but every now and then did a marauding centre back run to the halfway line with the ball. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly my expression. Spence was at right back. Spence right. was it right Spence. back? Spence. So was it? A, did he? So it was a back four rather than a back three. Yeah, it was a back four. Okay. So, um, it was Pat Weber at left back. Yeah. Um, Cotter and Inaba, and then Spence at right back. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I said Inaba could have scored from a corner. Actually, he had a free header. Should have probably put it on target. But just yeah. his stature, his physicality was good in the air. Seemed to be quite calm as well, which I think is yeah. a good. Um, good uh, feature for a centre-back as well but yeah f um, Lunis Fudil I think if I'm pronouncing that correctly was a, he came yeah. on as a sub very tricky winger good dribbler great with the ball down the right yeah. side he was impressive but Brett McGavin was the pick for me um, yeah. similar stature to a young Steven Gerrard in terms of his physicality you know when Gerrard was young before he filled out a bit he was quite gangly he kind of had his limbs yeah. kind of went out a little bit and, and McGavin was very similar to that really good on the ball very calm central midfield presence kind of sat back a little bit um, good recycling the ball good moving things forward and took a good set piece as well so he'd be my tip that's interesting. You often see this with central midfielders. I remember years ago, Danny Drinkwater, when he was at Leicester, before when he came, I think it was at um, Nigel Pearson was the manager, and you could, they, the, the Leicester fans could see over the summer he had been on the weights. Right. And I remember seeing it with Teddy Bishop as well when he was with us. Yeah. And before In his early, it's, you know, Bishop Mark one, if I can describe it, before his injuries. And again, the first season he was there and he was he was tricky and he was quite elastic. But and then as he started to build up, Luke Heim as well was the other one. We saw that as well. You see them, you see them blossoming and the real midfielder coming out when they get that physicality then suddenly, which you simply have to have in the modern game. It's it's so strength based. So the pattern of the game, did that seem it, did it flow really well because that's the thing that struck me I saw them against Bristol City a very young Bristol City team I have to say um, back 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 in the in the late autumn and the geometry of the team was lovely they were just knocking the ball around for fun and it was 2-0 if they needed a third I'm sure they could have found it it was a comfortable comfortable win so Coventry us. were a third in the under 23 
under 23s yeah. league and generally uh, people probably game. don't know too much about Coventry as a, as a club yes they've had their off the field problems but they've always brought through their own players um, yeah. the likes of Cyrus Christie is probably a name that people might know yeah. um, who's come through obviously Madison as well I don't think he was I don't think he um, I think they signed him possibly but he's another one so they've always brought through <laughs> their own players in the first team at the moment there's quite a lot as well um, yeah. so a tough opposition I think I generally my impression was that we were more technically proficient and definitely yeah. for the the two the front um our two thirds of the pitch before their eighteen yard line ish, we were really good. We were really comfortable at moving the ball around and the defenders were doing that as well. All yeah. throughout the team, everyone looked comfortable with the ball. It just felt yeah. that when they got to the eighteen yard line, Coventry kind of blocked them out maybe a little bit. Um yeah. mm. and the terms of the first teamers that were in the team Spence um, kind of was in passenger mode. He was kind of doing the minimum he needed and was fairly comfortable, but didn't shine. Um, yeah. Dawkins played as well. Um, and he was on the bench on Saturday, I think, actually. Um, and yeah. was okay, but again, didn't stand out. Um, and Nyden played the whole match. All right. Didn't really feature too much, I'll be honest. Um, okay. He was, mm. his, he was definitely up against more physical, taller players. And I think that kind of didn't work for him. I think he was kind of shrugged off the ball quite a lot. Um, yeah, but yeah, McGavin would be the one. He he also reminded me a bit of um, Owen Garvin. Um, yeah, that would be my, my comparison as well. So yeah, a couple of yeah. few there to look out for. Yeah, and Doig was there as well. Chris Doig. Oh yeah, um, I saw him walking down. At, he was down at the dugouts. I tweeted it, and people kind of thought, oh, "Oh, is Rich joking?" But he, they were, they people were pleased to see him. The the bench were, oh. were really kind to him, and and they had good old yeah. long chat. Brian Klug sat with him in the second half, and oh, some good. of the players coming off as well shook his hand and looked pleased to see him. So, yeah, do we want to talk about this Paul Hurst podcast very briefly? Because obviously, yeah, we can do. There's some yeah, stuff there on that yeah. one, but. Um, mm. Yeah, we can touch on us, no problem at all. It's interesting, yeah. We don't know the half of what went on behind mm. the scenes, to be honest. We're always trying to we're looking in and trying to piece it together and when it goes badly wrong, you know, then you know, all sorts of you know, all sorts of conspiracy theories can come out. But the Hearst interview I did I did listen to it. That sounded just on finally on commentary, that sounds it sounded really reassuring that the you know, that the, the the progress that we've seen over the season hasn't been lost, even though we lost the game, that the, the kind of the shape of the team, the you know, that, that, that that's still very much continuing on. Cause and I'd be happy for, yeah. yeah, I think we thought about this. I don't think we had, a, did we have a question about this on Blue Monday Live, about the number of maybe chucking players in um, yeah. from the academy with a few games to go. I don't know if someone was talking to me about that, possibly on the night. But, yeah. you know, I'd be quite happy with um, McGavin, Ndaba, um, Ilmazuni, um, Joe mentioned um, Bailey Clements. Yeah, um, I think yeah. there's a handful of players there that could conceivably be in the team if the worst happens and we've got maybe four or five games to go. I'd yeah. be quite happy to see that. Yeah against, the, yeah, yeah, against the right opponents. I mean, it definitely worked brilliantly against Reading last year because they were so brittle and lacking confidence. But yeah, some teams maybe not Leeds yeah. in the last day. No, 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 no. That well, depends if we wise. want Leeds to win or not. I was having yeah. an interesting debate about that's that it. earlier. <laughs> <laughs> we might want to be supporting Leeds on the last yeah, day of the season. Absolutely. You know, bring all the spies you want down and have a few more. <laughs> you know, we, yes. we'll set you up with seats and organise sausage rolls for them all. As, 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 as it's that's the whole of the Cobalt stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, that would be very funny. Um, Hurst was interesting. I listened to it. I did have a proper listen all the way through. A few things leapt out. Um, it was insightful. I think the positives for me were that he did care about Ipswich. I think it did hit him. And I think, the, but I also think the failure caught him completely by surprise. Mm. I, it goes back to my theory that he underestimated 
the leap between League One and the Championship. And I think it's something actually Paul Cook will come on to it, the Wigan manager might be having to accept as well. But one of the one of the patterns that came out was the way a lot of things he seemed to have a lot of bad luck. There were a lot of excuses. That was one theme. I'm not yeah, really hard I was about to I say there's no such you know, thing as you make your own yeah, luck or whatever. Exactly, no. you know, playoffs, bad decisions going wrong or whatever. And, you know, there was all of the all of the way through, like, you talked about the red hot day at Wembley in the playoff final. I remember going on the Shrewsbury message board when they were, and they were absolutely furious that they went out and did a, a pre-match training routine. And we obviously, Ben was there. He'd know. It'd be interesting to get his take on it. But um, they said, he said that the players were baked, but, you know, from the pre-match. They did a proper tre- pre-match training regime, you know, in a, you know, in a in a an enclosed Wembley Stadium on a blisteringly hot May day. So you've got that. Um, the other thing which made me smile was the pattern you talked about conceding from set pieces at his previous clubs, which I kind of ooh, ooh that's uh, mm, that's, that's, yeah, we've, that's we've nice. heard that before. In hindsight, I mean, it was interesting to listen to. Really, it's it's kind of more academic now. But um, my thing sense was. He should have stayed at Shrewsbury and done a Chris Wilder or a Neil Neil Harris come up with the team, yeah. stayed there and carried on with it. But maybe he felt it's a difficult one for him to yeah, turn down, yeah, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah it's, um, for anyone but who's was... not aware of it, by the way, it's not the top twenty podcast. Mm-hmm. Two yeah. good, uh, guys there, George and I forget the other guy's name, who Ali yes. I think, who it... do some really great stuff on the football league. Um, brilliant uh, interviewer. He really yeah. did. It was a brilliant interviewer. Yeah, he really prepped up brilliantly for it. It was fantastic. There was another thing that I, I was trying to remember. He was, he was talking. He, he lamented um, fitness quite a lot, and he was talking about this when he was at Ipswich as well. And you wonder whether the fitness was too much of a fixation rather than actual tactics and systems of play when he was yeah. with us, maybe because he, he moaned about that quite a lot, didn't he? Moaned he did. about the previous preseason regimes. Moaned about you know the likes of maybe Dazel coming back from injuries. He's definitely moaned about Addy, Amy, and Hughes, didn't he? And I wonder he whether that was too much of a a consideration rather than actually how we set ourselves up to win the match. But yeah, don't know whether you th- what thoughts on that. I think it was definitely fitness over tactics, and the tactics was the thing that kind of, in hindsight, was the thing that completely undid him because he was outthought time and time again by. In the, you could argue, you could see Lambert doing it a little bit to Jones on Saturday with Stoke. Yeah, great shot. You know, so you could see a similar parallel there, and I think that was the thing that he just kept getting caught. It's such a streetwise league, and exactly, you know, focusing on fitness. Ben said it, I think, in his interview um, in the Talk Norwich podcast. I think he's a great lower league manager, and he will come back in League Two or League One team where it is all about fitness organisation and just you know a good basic tactical over you know sort of overlay within that but not, not, you know when you, look, when you look at some of the, the clever managers sort of prowling around at the championship and they've all got well, different Mick, uh, isn't it McCarthy yeah, has, has yeah, made a career yeah. out of you know eating yeah. the lights of Hurst for breakfast you know, you know yeah. getting a 1-0 win out of nothing and you know yeah, that kind of, yeah. I, I think maybe yeah. he was I think we've agreed he's naive wasn't he when he came to us and hopefully yeah. it's a useful learning for him but I wonder whether the championship is probably a bit too far for him but yeah but we'll find out. So there may some at some point be a podcast in the future where you could you, you could you could spend an hour listing what went wrong, all the things that happened. Not all not all Hurst's fault though. Let's be honest as well. Right. So you know, there was it was a, a you know when it's some, when things go that badly wrong, it's really just one thing that's caused it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And he's number ten so, on my um, video, by the way. The sliding. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you start. It's, it starts off with Rotherham. Yes, the one 0 defeat. Yeah. Uh, that's, Great stuff. That was really. I'm not going to do any more naughty plugs like that. I promise. No more yeah. than that. Um, should we talk Wigan finally? Yes. Yeah. We're 25 minutes in. Let's talk about um, Saturday's yeah. opposition. Um, 
uh, on the preview show, so we did a bit of a midi Wigan preview on the preview on the uh, Blue Monday Live. I was able to put up the um, this season's kit for the first time. I don't actually own it, so it wasn't going up today because it's a minger. Um, <coughs> but um, but a, a one nil win, a, one of our three wins, a thirty three percent of our wins have come against Wigan this season. <laughs> yes, indeed, <it> <laughs> which is a great stat. Fifteenth um, yeah. of December that was just before Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. Lambert's first win. Um, and I think on Saturday, we kind of focused a little bit on the players that have come in and out um, since then. So I think we'll continue to do that. We'll do that with a bit more detail. Um, the focus, I guess, that I have for us, um, Reese James is a player that I really like the look of. You you picked him out in our preview before, yeah. um, and he's kind of moved up the pitch a little bit, as uh, yeah. Callum Colony, Connolly did for us and Chalabra's done for us. But the other player that I want to focus on a little bit, um, who didn't play in the last match because of injury, who might be back, is Nick Powell. Yeah. Um, so where is the best place for us to start, Harry? We should we could start. Let's start with the attacking midfield because that's actually a big part of it. The the they they play in simple terms. They they generally ninety percent of the time. One of their fans said, Paul Cook will play four two three one. Sometimes you'll switch it to four-three-three, so you'll have a slightly more attacking extra midfielder. So um, and just move it a little bit further for, and move everything forward ten yards at the um, at the at the attacking end. Um, but the and he does like width. He's, he's at the moment you've got two wingers playing as fullbacks as well. So you have two sitting holding midfielders and the two fullbacks. Uh, the idea is they bomb forward and then the the, the, the sitters will cover if if necessary. Um, but but. It's worth talking about the three in behind the striker because they, they started brilliantly. They were something like third in the table, having played a game more admittedly in late September. They got off. They were they were rocking, cooking on gas, absolutely hammering along. And then slowly since then, there's been this narrative of decline, a combination of injuries because they don't have. They're one of the have-nots. They don't have strength and depth. So when players came out, they didn't have the ability. They didn't have the wealth. Of squad to be able to cover plus then um, uh, a loss of form of some players then those two things together you saw them going backwards and when we hit them in December they were properly on that kind of the curve going on the downward curve we, we so, talked and, about the um, the bounce the kind of the promotion bounce because their home form was so brilliant wasn't it yeah last season and there's always that momentum and I guess the hope for Paul Cook is they can carry that on throughout the season but as you say those kind of combination those 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 issues, particularly the injuries, um, yeah. have kind of prevented them from doing that. And yeah. they are hovering outside the relegation zone. They have yeah. um, the draw to Rotherham a couple of weeks ago is probably a quite a significant result as well. One where they yeah. probably look to to move gaps um, to build a gap. But um, is 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 there a sign of things? Uh, certainly, the injury crisis we mentioned, pal. The injuries are sorting themselves out, aren't they? So, is there a, think- is there a hope that they might have a bit of an upturn? I think they're going to be safe. I think they're going to get out of it. Um, I was looking at because you look at them, and you think, okay, what's the direction of travel? They've only scored nine goals in the last ten games. This has been this is the this is the output of all of the problems that they've had, um, and and sixteen conceded. You know, since this is since that we played them in in December, um, lack of creativity, lack of confidence, but the players are starting to come back now. The players that they had earlier in the season, you're suddenly starting to see um, the creativity come back into the side. They're, you know, they, they're suddenly starting to play a little bit more on the front foot. And I think 
just as we're gathering momentum towards the end of the season, I think just as equally they're going to be gathering momentum as well. Yeah. I'd be st- I'd be surprised given unless all these players that are coming back from injury are being brought back too early and then they go off again, then I think I I think they may have enough to get out of it. Um, they're worried. They think it's between them and Rotherham for the final place, assuming us and Bolton are down. But um, yeah, they, they think got a good win in they midweek as yeah, well. So yeah, Millwall they did. Have- yeah, that cut run might be a distraction, mind you. Yeah, and Nelson Oliveira going to Reading has absolutely spooked them. It really has. That that they don't like that. But I, I looking at the way they're playing, looking at the not so much the way they're playing. Looking at the players who've come back, I think the way they're playing is the worry, but not the players who've come back. Um, we'll move on to the players. We'll because we'll, we'll, we will talk about the wingers and we'll talk about the playmaker because in the four two three one in a second. But just some simple overall points to to mention, um, and we'll pick off Paul Cook in transit if that's okay, um. The the fear Cook, as we know, has a reputation of playing stylish, attractive football. He did it with Portsmouth. He did it in the promotion season with Wigan. Generally on the front foot, playing pass and move. You know, very positive, optimistic football is the kind of style of it. As the season has gone on, the creativity and the confidence has drained out of the team, and they described it as turgid football. That word has kept coming up time and time again. Um, the t- last two games against Rotherham, one of them said it was something like it was. He'd never seen the ball in the air in 20 years of well, watching Wigan as much. It was it was everything, every championship cliche you could have. Wigan away to Rotherham on a February day. And, you know, it's just who who wants it? Who wants it more? Yeah. That kind of thing. It's very It was very much that. But also a lack of urgency and desire, which kind of echoes the confidence point. But this is this was happening in the away games because they've got a dire away record. Yeah, but well, the, the, the fear is it's starting to creep into the home games. Right, that's, okay. Because yeah, I remember us talking about... The, the, if there's ever a game to get our away form back on track, it's Ipswich away. Mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Us doing exactly. a double over them would be a real blow, wouldn't it? That would be amazing. And they are worried. If They fear that if we did win, because they, they, they would be then. I think the headline I've used to my TWTD piece is that, you know, if we lose to Ipswich, we're properly in the mire or something like that. It's, um, they're, you know, that that's the fear they have. They feel they're playing within themselves. Um, is and, that a uh, sense of Paul Cook going into damage limitation or risk? Reverse well, the, mode, is that? The, well, the, well, the big concern is, yeah, the last two games, that's what they don't understand. The tactics they get at Rotherham, the, yeah, if the last thing you do against Rotherham is go out and try and play direct against them. It's like doing it against Millwall. You just don't do that. You, if The thing is, when they play the ball on the deck, and they talk about this, when they play it on the deck, they can actually knife their way through teams because they're, they're actually quite stylish, mm. attractive, and they have got good footballers in the team. So why they would choose to go direct. And linked with that was the sale of Will Grigg, and the purchase of Clark, they've brought um, that which Leon Clark. Yes, yeah, so that's significant, in, isn't it? But that is significant because they're worried that that signifies an emphasis on more direct football. Because mm. Clark Griggs is very a, diminutive. I saw him at yeah. Southern Oxford. He was yeah. tiny, but buzzing yeah. around. Um, and yeah. Clark is 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 not that, is he? He's no, he's not. Six foot he's plus, old, I think he must be. He's older. He's in his he's in his th- mid thirties. This is, you know he's coming to the end of his career now. He's not a mobile. He's like. It's like when Forrest took Daryl Murphy almost. You're bringing in a hard-working but broadly static target man who is a good finisher Mm. as opposed to a smaller geometric player who will link with the wingers, link with the playmaker and and actually... And actually, and and add a lot more to the overall team, although per se, he may not be a better out-and-out finisher. The money they got for for Sunderland, several people have talked about a £4 million fee, and I did wonder, was there a parallel with Waghorn, that the money is really too good to turn down, but only if you have a replacement. 
Yeah, well, they, it looks like a bargain replacement, doesn't they, as well? Yeah. We'll it, probably, yeah. Are we, we going to come back and talk about Ghana? Because Ghana hasn't really featured yeah. to see, but... Um, no, he, ha- he hasn't. Let's, yeah. we'll start, let's start at the... We'll, we're jumping all around here. Sorry. We'll start at, <laughs> let's, no, you're fine. You're brilliant. We'll start at the top and we'll work our way back then. Let's... Because we'll, we've, we've kind of covered Clark. The other the other comment, the more cynical one, he played brilliantly in the opening game. He's won, most of the, the, the new additions have only played three games. QPR, a home win at, a win at home, plus then they had a draw at Rotherham, the one-all draw, and then 10 days ago, they didn't play last weekend because they're, whoever they were playing, was, I think it was Derby, were in the cup. So they played 10 days ago at, away to, at home to Stoke and drew nil all. So this is the game we looked at in inverse, as it were, when we looked at Stoke. Clark played brilliantly in the first game, scored a goal against Queen's Park Rangers, was less good in the last two games. Um, no hold-up play, little movement. One of them described him as Jurassic Clark, which was very <laughs> unkind. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's horrible. I love that. Well, it's uh, the pun more than anything else. It's, it's really clever. Um, his, he comes alive when the ball comes into the box. His movement and predatory instincts are infinitely improved since he was last here. So he is good in the box, but just don't expect anything else from him. You've got to do all yeah. the work to prepare the Feed ground for the him. Clark yeah. and he'll score. Yeah. yeah, exactly that, yeah. Um, he is, if ever we do a CV game again, Leon Clark is perfect for it because if you try and list all of the teams, including Coventry, he's, mm-hmm. um, the list is absolutely he left, vast. They were know. unhappy when he left Coventry. Yeah. I think he was on a really good scoring run and um, yeah. I think he might have been in the same team as McGoldrick. I might have made that up though. I'm going to have to no, look that up right. later on. He went, I know he went Wolves who hated him to Coventry where he played well and Wolves then took him back again and it didn't, and it was, it was the, the, the past revisited really um, Garner up front let's we'll briefly mention him because he is now a perfect impact sub um, and they don't buy the antics we've joked about this before we talked about one. it before yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the whole thing the, the, the rubbing the back of the head thing that he does and he put look just see how much blood was drawn I love I love that thing he does in the game Garner's great the thing about Garner if it, we said before if the game is boring keep an eye on what Joey's up to because there'll be some subplot going on wherever the part wherever part of the field he's on he's very theatrical um yeah but the you know he spends more time rolling around on the floor um he's up to his old tricks that was the phrase up to his old tricks of playing the man not the ball and it doesn't work they said actually he's more he can be rough and aggressive we know he's good in the air he's physical he pressurizes defenders into mistakes but he's more effective when his talent is more controlled and channeled into his play than his off the ball antics yeah, they feel he actually he, he undermines himself they say that's fair. Yeah. No, just very quickly, Hurst mentions Garner, Waghorn and Webster in this this podcast mm. interview and says all of them want to leave and if I'd made them stay I would have had a, the bad version of Garner, the bad version of Waghorn and stuff. Just that prompted me the, the thought on Garner because I think he was always wanted to go back up north but as a professional he probably would have stuck around if, if we didn't want to sell him and then it makes you think about Hurst and his ability to motivate players yeah. whether he had the, you know, the any character about him to to encourage them to stay that yeah. that was something that yeah. I picked up on as well sorry as an aside no it's true no it's, it's the excuses again it's the giving up too easily it's the kind of externalising a problem is it, um, was it Dave Railsford talks about fourth to eighth mentality people who finish medal, medal in tournaments usually take ownership of any problems that are outside their control and they make the most of them people who finish fourth to eighth will usually externalise the problem and uh, Hurst is a classic example of that he really is you know oh, if this had happened if this had happened if this had happened then we'd have done alright you've got to own and you've got to take control of it. Anyway, sorry, that's you know. But Garner, I don't know. I think he would have been professional. He would have stayed in the way Freddie has. He would have led the line and done what he could to the best of his ability. He he is a professional, so um, yeah. in that um, sense, yeah. So let's let's look at the guys. Let's look at the playmakers and the wingers because this is fascinating. Um, Nick Powell. We talked about this before we started recording. There is a small side point to Powell. Um, he's a playmaker. He came to them from Manchester United. Um, Stacks of England youth under 
21 appearances all the way through. He was seen as, as a really bright prospect. He's 24 now. I think he came to United from Crew, if memory serves me right. We tried to um, sign him from Crew. Paul we did. tried to sign him from Crew. Yeah, and then Man United came in, and obviously that's never. Yeah, that, that's going to end it. No, Jewel, to be fair, had an eye for a player. Not he always, did. but he, you know, he did. Given that Cresswell, um, but there is an issue, that, and the, the, I mentioned Knudsen in this context because Powell okay. is out of contract this summer, How is and he... so you're suddenly getting oh, the whole. Where is it? The fog of suspicion has descended. Oh really? So because yeah. he's been out with injuries, he had. I think. Did you say his wife yeah. gave? We were talking about this before. His wife yeah. gave birth recently. So he, he missed, missed a game. He missed, he missed a game for that. But, but these all adding to the conspiracy yeah. theories, are they? Yeah. Yeah. He was out. He was out since late November, early December. He missed the game in December against us, and um, he. The problem is that they, 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 he came off the bench against Stoke. Um, uh, so he, that was his first time back in months and so he had a run out that was 10 days ago so you could assume if they played behind closed doors games in the, in the last 10 days whatever I don't know what they've done training wise that he, you know he may well be match fit he could start he is a threat fast hard working strong in the air and he can get goals and assists so he is a he's not just a deep line playmaker I'd call him a second striker as much as anything the way he can burst forward he's, he is a problem because of the quality he has they, the, the criticism it's a f- fine one they make but it's worth mentioning one of them said he's an unusual player with so much potential but half the time they don't think he knows what he's going to do oh, okay. so you know so he, he hasn't quite mapped out you know, he, you know, he's got too many options almost, and he's, it could be experience and judgment. But at 24, you would expect to see that blossoming by now. You really yeah. would. Is yeah. he a set-piece taker as well? Am I right in thinking he takes a free kick? He does, yeah. I yeah. think I remember him seeing him yeah. score quite a decent free kick early in the season. Yeah. I can't remember him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the other player that I've, I've got listed, any, any more on power before we move on? Just... No, but the other playmaker worth mentioning, because he did play against us in the first game, was Josh Windus. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, just worth mentioning him because he may well start. Great movement, great anticipation, but um, he's 25. He came from Rangers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they set, they summed him up against Rotherham. He had the skill, movement, and pace to hurt teams, but also the powder puff physicality that's so frustrating. So if he'd managed to play to a strength, he could have actually unlocked Rotherham and caused them even more problems. But often he will let centre-backs have the ball without challenging them, and he backs out of challenges he could have attempted. And I don't think it's Ince, the, the Ince thing we talked about last week where Ince makes the show of doing it. I think with Windus, it's actually a confidence thing more than anything else. Right. Used, but he's a, so he is a technically good player. He's like a poor man's Powell, I would say, really, describing him as that. Good movement, good anticipation, and quite good on the ball, but championship good on the ball, whereas Powell could be... A level above, yeah, yeah, and yeah. An, 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 another player that could have been um, signed, um, well, by Paul Hurst actually. Yeah, um, yeah. The two players that I wanted to go on to though were Morsi yep. and James. Yeah, I suspect that's probably where you got your bulk of your yep. concerns. Yeah. Is it? It's interesting to watch. That's they're they're they're, 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 they're James. We, we mentioned it in the in the live show. He played it right back against us. Hit the bar, yeah. didn't he? We mentioned that too. Shot Great Absol- shot. Really lovely Re- kind of cross come yep. shot type. Yeah. thing, yeah. isn't it? lethal he is this guy this guy is is dangerous he really is he moved into right back morsi we talked about morsi as well before the last game the way they they said he's 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 a yellow card merchant time and time again he's the lack of discipline he can go careering into challenges he picks up yellow cards he got a two-match suspension for the number of yellow cards he picked up and that prompted um paul cook to move reese james in from right back into a holding midfield role and initially when the first half an hour it took him a while to get used to it but then after half an hour he cracked it and you knew exactly what he needed to do um the james the thing about james he's um 
he's very forward thinking. That's the word forward is the word you have always in your mind with him. He's he's strong at the tackle. He always wants the ball, but he always wants to go forward with it. It's, he's, he's got that dynamism no matter where you put him on the field. One of them said he can play anywhere. You just you can tell watching that he loves the game. Really good at passing always up for the battle and he could be the midfielder if Morsi is the what Morsi is he's they describe him as a driving force but more in the sense of doing the pressing doing the water carrying you know he's, he's, he's kind of a unit which provides industry in front of the back but limited technically they say when he gets the ball and he gets into a dangerous position he will often slow the tempo down because he's not quite sure what to do whereas you feel with James if James breaks forward with the ball his instincts will be more he can bomb on um, a little bit maybe he can bomb on yeah. the fear could be that if you've got Reese James sitting in behind Nick Powell that that's not a good situation from our point of view. But James is one to watch. We talked about this in the live show. Somebody just drew a parallel with him being a David Beckham quiz question. I was going to get you, get you to do this yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. high praise, right? It is, yeah. They're absolutely convinced. And, and nothing has changed their view from December that he's going to be a future England international. They don't think he's one that Chelsea are going to bring in and then farm out. Just keep an eye on him at the game, as mm. I say. He's, he's, um, they said that one of them said, I'm just going to enjoy watching this young man play for the rest of the season because he won't be back here next year. It's one of those. It's a bit, you know, it's, um, oh, it's a bit like Geo for us. You know, you just think, oh, oh God. You know, you just think, oh yeah, just you know, it just it just it's a it's it's just a happy memory, really. But you don't forget it. But um, he's just an absolute natural footballer, and it took him a as I say, it took him a little while, as in half an hour, to get to handle the defensive midfield role because it's a more tricky one, way more tricky than right back, which is tactically quite simple. But he 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 got it straight away, and instinctively he knew the positioning, the technique, all just came to him. So I think most of them think that James and Morsi is the ideal central mid the defensive the sitting par- par- partnership as it were plan b it's a couple of names worth mentioning um i don't think we're going to see gary roberts i know he's a winger but they've been seeing him he's been used as a bench option centrally a few times as well he, did he play the whole game against us he did he did he and did we said he'll be off at 60 minutes and i was thinking well when's he going to mm. go off then but he, he managed to last the whole thing didn't no, he? he did yeah they reckon he should i mean he's, he's another one for the cv game when you look at all the teams he's played for but he's you know he's an absolute veteran but they love him there they feel even if he doesn't play next season for them they want him there for a couple of more years because of the role model the the fact that he's okay. such a great player to Good have in the squad. Yeah. yeah, but they don't think he has the legs to play a wide role. Um, the other the other plan B players, um, Lee Evans is probably the most likely other one to come in. He came over from Sheffield United. He used to play for Wolves in the kind of Kenny Jacket um, era. A cog that makes the team function when they play well. But funnily enough, he's a player whose form has diminished as the team has declined okay. as the season has gone on because yeah. I think that footballing on the deck style suits his t- style of play more. He's kind of he's a very industrious player, covers every blade of, bra- blade of grass, sets the press on, from the front and works tirelessly. Um, but they've been talking about the fact that he's been playing a lot of safe and sideways passes as the team have lost confidence. Now, when you get better players in there, that might all... Dis- disappear and he'll get back to what he, he does best um, also a question mark over lack of pace which is probably why he's in the championship and not at a, a higher level but a cog who makes the team function when they play well it could be if they switch James back to right back and you could see Morsi and Evans play against us because that was the partnership that played at Paul they Monroe they played Paul about to say they yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. two other quick side mentions Darren McGibson <laughs> yeah, I don't know if played. he's just not trusted by them there's always a risk of putting Darren Gibson in and losing the game an awful waste of money he was the guy who came from Sunderland last year he was a free transfer yeah did we um, talk about him before I think we possibly did about we did. the Sunderland so it, yeah. Till I Die documentary yes yeah. he had a really troubled end to his spell at Sunderland so I'm not he surprised did. I don't trust him yeah I mean you look at his career Manchester United Everton Sunderland Wigan you know the, mm. the direction of travel you know it's 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 quite sad he's 31 now one of them said cynic 
exactly. They said there's a there's a piece on the club website in which he said he says he's happy and enjoying his football. Well, I'm pleased someone is. It's uh, <laughs> it's quite vicious. So oh, um, so I don't think we'll see him. But it's worth mentioning. You know, another one of the where are they now types. Mm. The other the other guy worth mentioning. He's only played once. I don't know if we'll see him on Saturday. Benny Banningime, I think is how you pronounce it. He's a 20 year old loanee from Everton who's come in. Connolly went out. Banningime has come in. The poor guy. He did okay. He played. He's played once. He played the full game against Rotherham. Now he's come from the Everton Academy. Um, so they said about him at Rotherham. This was the game where the ball was sort of flying around in the air, threatening all avian life. Um, he didn't look too strong and arguably didn't look like he was too keen to have the ball. He didn't disgrace himself and looked fairly composed when he got the ball. He made some decent tackles as well. And the final, the best line of it was, he was probably scratching his head thinking, we didn't play this badly at Everton's Academy. You know, it would have yeah, been... Yeah, that's a yeah. baptism of fire, isn't it? <laughs> Just going from Work on those neck muscles yeah. so you can see where oh, the ball yeah, is. Yeah. Exactly. You know, all this lovely technical geometric football. It's all really nice. The school of it? science. Yeah. And so, exactly. That's what they call it, isn't it? Yeah, Suddenly going to, yes, rather a mother, rather, exactly. You know, can we, you know, can we not knock it? Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's so that's the midfield. So, uh, but I think it'll be James and Morsey in behind, presumably Windass, possibly Powell. Okay. Keep an eye. We'll see what see what they get up to. Should we do with the um, wide options? Now? Yeah, let's do the wide options. There's plenty here, isn't there? Yeah, um, and this is yeah, this is a huge part of the story of their season. So you go ahead. Were you going I was to say? just going to just mm. dump in the name Pilkington straight away because yeah. that'll be the one that town fans have will know and be thinking about, given he was also another player yeah. that almost signed for us. Yeah. Um, is, is, did he have a really good debut against Villa? I think they beat Villa at home, and I think he... They did. Did he got two assists to make or scored or something? Oh, he um, did, yeah. He's kind of disappeared a little bit from... He's not... Well, tell us... So you can tell us more about him, Harry. No, it's interesting, because he is... No, you're, you're right. They, we can do this. Their home form is something... They they can they can get unlocked and they can lose badly at home. I think Sheffield United beat them three nil. They can get they can get undone, but they can you know they beat Aston Villa three nil. They beat Queens Park Rangers two one. So let's keep all our optimism in the context of that. They can you know they they can turn it on at home. And Pilkington they they did no answer. They really had no answer to him Villa. Um, whereas. In the early season form, when they were flying, when Wigan were flying, they had Michael Jacobs on the left and Gavin Massey on the right, two direct wingers. As I say, Cook likes players who will run with the ball. He likes his width. And they, you remember Ender Stevens when he played for Portsmouth in the cup match. That, that That's the style of play they li- he likes. And these two were doing a fantastic job until the injuries all hit. And the feeling is now that it looks like Jacobs is still the left winger. So he offers directness. He takes players on direct running, penetrating defences. Less effective when they're forced deep as a team. If you put them on the back foot, you can blunt the wingers just by playing the ball in their third, not, not letting them out. But he has a trick in him, Jacobs, sharp and dangerous. Pilkington is different. And if you draw a parallel with Norwich, these are like the poor man's Buendia and Hernandez. Jacobs being the Hernandez direct runner, Pilkington being more the Buendia type. An inverted, he's a left winger, inverted and playing on the right where he can cut inside. Yep. Te- technical. And um, his use of the ball, he doesn't give it away. He doesn't hoof. He always passes. And he has purpose. And the phrase they said was he can provide a final ball after doing all the initial hard work. Mm. That's what they like about him. Cardiff have used him as a as a number 10 when, at times. I remember that, that, that that's when they were struggling for for options. He, 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 played, he played in behind the striker. Great feet with the ball, a turn of pace. And he does add spark to the midfield. So he's a he's the, he's the kind of the brains of... He's the brains of the of the wingers, as it were. Um, he will certainly start against us, no question about that. Mm. Um, but him him on one side, 
I also think that if you have a tricky technical winger and you have a fast direct winger, that's actually a really nice combination and it does work. So if you do flick them over, you're asking a lot more questions of full backs. He tends not to do that. It, it, um, Cook tends to keep them on, from what I've seen anyway, the comments, they don't seem to flick across to, to put them on different full backs, but he always has that option. Um, do you say Pilkington is likely to be on the right? He'll be on the right, no question. So and Jacob he's going to yeah. make, uh, so our left back pick is going to have to be smart. Isn't it? It's going to, have to be smart, but it's less a question of being done for pace. It's a question of shape and positioning, and just now making sure. Now, though, Pilkington is quite streetwise, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. So it's just it's going to be just just holding, you know, as I say, just just holding your positioning and just making sure that you show if you're going to show him anywhere, show him wide. I would say because I'd say he'd be less effective crossing from the byline than he would necessarily cutting inside. I think that's a bit like Buendia that way. Um, but in, uh, in terms of the other wide. Um, the fullbacks oh, uh, then, just very quickly, because yeah. no, James just, definitely bombed on and Paul Monroe didn't yeah. he? It was Connolly a left back and he was mm. out out of position. Right back, and we yeah. talked about Connolly yeah. that he wasn't yeah. particularly favoured there and has gone. Yeah. So two quick, ju- go just two quick, it? just two quick one liners on the other remaining wingers, and we'll come okay. on to the fullbacks because that links perfectly. Because you've got to look at the as as the, at, at the at the fullbacks and wingers as teams very much in the Cook model. But the other player who may feature, he's he's less good than Jacobs is um, Gavin Massey. He's a right winger, came from Orient, and he he they were worried about him at the start of the season, but he really blossomed in the Championship before he got injured. Um, and again, he's a, another Jacobs who takes on defenders, commits them with pace, gets in behind defenses. The same things as they were saying with Jacobs, just probably not quite the same level of quality. So the other possibility is you could see Pilkington on the left, and you could see Massey on the right, which would be, which is another, or you might, you know, that that could be a switch that he could do at some point in the game. His movement off the ball is good, but he doesn't quite have the threat that Jacobs does. And the final one worth mentioning. As he's only good for 20 minutes, but he is good when he is on. Is Callum McManaman? He's still there, the left uh, winger. Yeah, came off the bench and in Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, but he's fits and starts. He's only good for 20 minutes, but he can produce moments of quality in that 20 minutes that he's on. But he's remarkable. Also played both sides, I think. Yeah, so he can do, but he's but he completely disappears. So moving on, to, just worth mentioning. But so getting yeah, on, no, to the, yeah, yeah, getting on to the full backs though, we've got um, Nathan Byrne and Kai Naismith. And um, Byrne sitting in behind Pilkington on the right, and Kai Naismith sitting in behind Jacobs on the left. Yeah. Kai Naismith is 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 he a winger? Is he, he's definitely an attacking player. I th- I thought they're both wingers. Right. So there's mm. yeah. Well, Attack, well, they both, yeah. well, more accurately, they both think they're wingers. That's, that's the best way to oh, describe okay. it. Okay. Um, so like, I think Burn, I could still play football, possibly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, exactly. Burn, in Burns case specifically, Naismith is a proper winger. Let's look at him. He's a left back. I don't know what it is. We seem to have loads of left backs, and every week we go around lots of different teams, and they never have a left back. It's really funny. You know, last week it was this. Lucas Stoke Stoke, Stoke, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it just happens week in week out. You think, well, where are we, are we hoarding them or something? Because we've got <laughs> we we don't seem to have a problem with left. You know, we've got you've got Nudson, we've got Kenlock. We can we can come up with options. Let's have Calamelder. Let's have Calamelder. Yeah, exactly, Calamelder. Exactly. It's a great fun. But anyway, no. So Kyne Smith, he's he's the one to target. He's flaky at the back. He's something to offer going forward, but his defensive positioning is shocking. Um, the, this is high praise. The best crosser of a ball we've had since Jean Beausejour. There's a name um, oh, for wow. the past. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, he can cost us with his mistakes, but we come close to scoring from his brilliant crosses. He's a winger playing at left back. Everything they say about him, his lack of positional awareness is awful. His body positions are always wrong. That's why he ends up on his backside against good wingers. Um, but he, he's never been and never will be a left back. It's not his position. It's not his problem. But that's where he's being played. And he is being targeted. Um, 
uh, so that's where we could get at them. Um, the, on the, uh, the plan B, briefly, is a guy called Anthony Robinson. He was a guy who came from uh, on loan from Everton, 21-year-old American international. Um, dynamite going forward, but an utter liability in defence. And he's actually a left-back. Anyway, um, oh, wow. But, You're uh, making me feel uh, more uh, confident, uh, Harry. No, exactly. exactly you know, whoever, you know, Square just, uh, pegs and round holes and all that. Just get somebody out on the right and let's see, let's see if we can get in behind them. He's been out with an ankle injury, but he's been training again. I don't know whether he'll start or whether they're confident to know. It's a question of whether Robinson is less. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process dangerous to his own team than Naismith I think is probably the best way to put it There's, neither of them filled him with any confidence whereas on the right hand side Nathan Byrne and we talked about this back in December they he's a player he's always said he's a right winger he's a right winger this was this was a big discussion that's where he feels his best position is and if you ask any Wigan fan they'll say he's not a right winger he's a very good fullback <laughs> He's um, a better out-and-out defender than Reese James when he was there, but he doesn't pose much of a threat. He played at right wing at Portman Road. Yeah, I was just looking at front that, of James. Yeah. yeah, and his crossing can be woeful. His distribution goes goes awry. He's he's a decent winger, but he can do a job there. But he's probably better at pressing a defender than necessarily create. He's kind of he's almost like a Mick-like winger, somebody who's good at shutting down a defender. He can but do a shift, yeah. He can he can do a shift. Yeah, he works his socks off. Um, occasionally he can nullify tricky wingers occasionally gives this man too much space but he doesn't have the killer instinct to damage teams as a winger he's a right he is a defender basically and uh, he needs to realise that um, he came from Wolves he's ex-Wolves so that's the two that's the two fullbacks but you can see 
you have to look at them if you're watching the game look at them as a team just to see how they're operating it'll be Byrne with Pilkington and Naismith with with um with Jacobs and in that sense you could argue they'll have more of a threat on the left but just as equally they could be more vulnerable they could be got in behind on but the yeah, left yeah the inclination yeah. is for them to bomb on as well as you yeah. say so yeah it might be up yeah. the pitch might they? they could be both up the pitch whereas on the other side you feel Pilkington and Byrne whatever Byrne thinks about himself you'd feel that's a more balanced that's a more but that's a more balanced pairing. So um which leaves us then with the central defenders. Um should we start with the keeper? Can we do the keeper? Yeah, the keeper's changed, you were telling me. It has changed, it has changed. It was it was Christian Walton beforehand, who was on loan, I think, from Brighton last year, and then he was reloaned for the for, for this season back from Brighton again. So he helped them get promoted last year. But he's been he's been dropped in place of Jamie Jones. And this is quite fascinating because the two of them are almost the the inverted mirror image of each other. Um, Walton is a great shot stopper, but can't command his area, and refuses to come out for the ball with the ball. Jones is the complete opposite. Jones is brilliant at um, commanding his area. He comes off his line for 50-50s. He's heroic. He's alert. He takes good positions. He's quick to respond to potential threats, diving at strikers' feet. They talk about all of this, but he's awful from range. And it's worth looking at... Two halves of a goalkeeper then, yeah? Exactly. You've put the two of them in together. You've got it perfect. It's really bizarre, this. Um, Jones is much more assured than Walton, but Forrest, they played Forrest a few weeks back and they were beaten. I think it was a 3-0 or 3-1. 3-1 they were beaten. Yeah. And all the Forest goals were from, were from long range. And they played the QPR the next week. And, of course, Steve McLaren had looked at the video. And apparently, Queen's Park Rangers were shooting from virtually the centre circle because they <laughs> recognised it. They, they thought this might work. They kind of overdid it a bit. But it's one of those things. If you get space on the edge of the D or somewhere around there, just have a crack. You never know. We didn't I do just, too much of that on Saturday. I was thinking we should be yeah. shooting a bit more from range against Stoke. And we didn't do that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe we'll. certainly against certainly against this keeper, it might be worth just having just 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 let fly every so often and follow up. Do you know, say to Will Judge, yeah. yeah, Judge, exactly, Judge. You get find if you find a half a yard, let let fly and see what see see what happens. And um, he came from Stevenage and he's broken in. They like him. They're more confident in him than they are in Walton actually as the as the season has gone on. So that then leaves us with the four centre backs and probably shall we start with Danny Fox? Is he a new signing? Yes, he is. Came in from Nottingham Forest. Yeah, it's a name that's been around in the championship for quite a while now, yeah. Well, I've been been doing the Rangers as well? Yeah, Rangers going back, that's right. And indeed, Coventry, believe it or not, in the past. Oh, wow, that's a, yeah, wow. Hashtag Coventry. (laughs) Every time time I find an ex-Coventry, when I do my, when I prep prep up for this, it's always in bold. I need a hashtag play up Sky Blues or something, facts or something, don't I? I'm not doing oh, anything good. for my reputation by going to Coventry and the 23 oh, no, matches either. Exactly. No, it's a Anyway, so Danny Fox, I mean, I've been, been doing the, the notes for TWTD for about six years or so now. And the thing you come across time and time again when you go to Forest was you knew damn well they were going to hammer Danny Fox at left back. He was appalling out there. He couldn't. His positioning was wrong. He didn't have base. He just he just he, his reading of the game was terrible and he was always isolated and then he'd be dropped and then he'd come back in again. A new manager would come along, as was the case at Forest a lot, and then they'd put him back in again and the same the same cycle yes, find out, happening. Yeah. You'd, find, you'd find the same problem out. Until either Karanka came along and Karanka moved him into centre-back, left centre-back, and he has blossomed. Mm. That's what's made it. That's rebuilt his career. He's, um, he's not young. He's 32 now, but they see him as a captain and a leader and they said that Cook was in keen to integrate him into the team as quickly as possible. They lost oh. Dan they lost Dan Byrne. Do you remember Dan Byrne who played with them and yeah. was so 
was he was sold again to Brighton and Brighton loaned him back for the first half of the year a slightly weird one but then they weren't confident about Byrne he was physical but they felt he was struggling a bit in the championship he was taken back by Brighton and he's gone now he's, he's now a Brighton player nothing to do with Wigan and Fox they see him as coming in to replace him um, uh, he's uh, organises the defence well and he does have a pass in him as well that's the other thing he can pass through the lines particularly not so much the defensive midfielders but he can pick out the, the three behind the striker that's what he's really really good at doing he has an eye for pass he, he was clattered against Rotherham and he was substituted I think he was concussed he was stretchered off so he missed the Stoke game a few days later but he will start against us I'd be surprised if he doesn't yeah, he's had a week so, off hasn't he he's had a week off now to properly recover Scott, he played for Scotland back in the day as well Ooh. so who do you play with him you've got two choices well you have three choices well there's a bit of where are they now we'll finish with but um Shay Dunkley will start with first because he's he's the one I think will start I love this phrase he was in his element against Rotherham um he does well when it's all battle and head tennis um unit yeah a unit he's an absolute unit they said um this this sums it up he was absolutely excellent at centre half against the physically imposing Sam Vokes and we all saw Sam Vokes on mm. Saturday he there's another there's a lot of unitary Should going on yeah, he, he, can't, he can't finish. He can't. This is what they said. Um, but they said also they played Queen's Park Rangers earlier and they said that he dealt really well with Matt Smith as well. So Another tall striker, yeah. Another, yeah. Another, another one of these kind of number nines. So basically, anybody who's got a set-piece threat, if it's battle, it's head tennis, he's the great man. You know what's coming next, though? He struggles with the ball at his feet. Yeah. <laughs> but hopelessly overhits balls forward, which translates as hoofs, basically. He's a, a big old-fashioned stopper, but we need defenders who can make time on the ball. And again, that's a little concern. You need your physicality at the back, but maybe, again, is Cook moving away from the passing out from the back model when you put a player like Dunkley in because he's, you know, basically he's a, he is a stopper. That's what he does. Um, the pl- plan B, and I'm not sure he'll play, I'd say he'll go with Dunkley and Fox. There's a guy called Cedric Kipre, who we talked about before. He played at Portman Road, didn't he? He did play at Portman Road, and he is... Um, yeah, a brave centre-half who flings himself in front of everything but has some hairy moments. Most of them felt he unforced errors. He should, they felt, many felt he should have had a red card against Queen's Park Rangers. He took somebody out when they were through on goal. And most of the Wigan fans on the match day thread were looking at each other going, <coughs> oh dear, well, <laughs> let's, move, let's, let's move on swiftly kind of thing. He's a bit, he is a bit of a risk. Um, they feel the championship as the season some players grow into a season. He might be finding the championship a bit too much as the season goes on. Uh, he's gone from being solid. Is it? Do you reckon? You could argue that. Yes, that could. That, that's a good point, actually. Yes, that's a really good parallel. Gone from being solid to dodgy more frequently. So it's one of those players you take him out and use him every so often. But even on the ball, he looks like he's dealing with a hot potato, either lumping it forward or pushing team or he passing, putting you know sort of playing it to a teammate who will be caught in possession basically he's um missing a lot of headers and beaten to the ball his background he's from the ivory coast well he's you think he's french born but he's ivory coast under 23 came through the paris saint-germain youth was taken by leicester for whom he didn't play went on to motherwell where he did play and came from motherwell to wigan such so, um, so that was his slightly colorful that's a good cv of, game as well CV, it's a great cv game you can spot, spot him in a minute but um he's um he's um if he plays I would target him as well because he's he is he's got a rick in him basically. But I think it'll be Dunkley and Fox. And the other person who you clocked was another who. Are, are, where are they now? Jonas Olsen. Yes, indeed. He must There's be mid thirties now. Um, yeah. Who early in his career, well, a West Brom is where people yeah. were known from. He mm. was quite a good um, ball playing centre back. He was like he was physical. He's a he's a he's a unit as well. Long flowing yeah. hair. 
Um, and he, I used to remember him marauding forward, and then Pulis came in, and I think that was probably did for him. I think he's, yeah, yeah, not really fit. But yeah, I was surprised to see him. I did my little bit of research before, and I saw him in the team. Has no. he played yet? Not yet. No, he was on the bench for the Stoke game. Um, they reckon. I'm not even sure he's at James Collins level there. I think he's very much a. He'll help Dunkley particularly and keep Ray improve. They might use him. One of them said a monster who will frighten teams at corners. Mm. And um, he's. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure of the actual height. They said a six foot six defender to counter Championship giants. He was up. He went back to Sweden and played for Drew Gardens, who I think are in the Swedish first division. Left there, I think they were a different season to us. He left there in January and was signed as a free agent on the 1st of Feb, so he's come in. He may he may feature, or he may feature as a bench option, I don't know. But oh, he's experienced, isn't he? That's yeah, it's, yeah. positive, but yeah, yeah probably yeah. a little bit immobile yeah. now. Yeah, so that's so there's that's Wigan. That's, that's what Wigan. we're up against. It's, it's interesting to have a look and see. Yeah, it'd be... The, I, I think they're going to be safe. As these creative players start coming back, I think um, I, th- I think they have enough in there to get themselves out of it, as long as Cook doesn't go defensive. If we see them playing long, I would actually be quite reassured on Saturday. If they're starting to play the ball geometrically up the field, I think that's they'll, they'll ask us more questions. But then, of course, we've got our own questions to ask them as well, which is quite good. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, brilliant yeah. stuff as always, Harry. Really enjoyed that. Um, mm. uh, before we move away from Wigan, I'll quickly do my kits for those of you watching on YouTube. Yes, so, indeed. I mean, so one side, we've got the 2016-17 Chevron kit. We beat them 3-0 that season. I think they went down. Um, that's where they had um, Warren Joyce and Gary Caldwell and someone else yeah. took them down. Um, so that's the 3-0. Freddie Sears and McGoldrick scored the goals, which I can't remember. I had to watch the goals back on YouTube. I c- couldn't tell you anything about that game. <laughs> and then one which is more f- more familiar um, well, maybe for some people, we beat Wigan four nil um, in a two-legged League Cup tie, ninety-two, ninety-three. Mm. Um, drew two all or one all away, I think. That was the Wigan team. That w- Wigan kit. They were sponsored by Heinz. Oh they, God, yes. If you remember yeah. that, the blue kit. I do. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So we beat them four nil at home in the second leg of that um, League Cup tie. So that's um, that's the kits. Mm. Should we do some um, Q and A? Um, by all means. Let's see if I can. Um, load them up and find them um i need to ask one of them um because he was my um i was sat alongside him in the coventry actually um let's see kevin hyam yeah hello kevin thank you for um your question and your company on monday um will we struggle to hold on to ted bishop if when we get relegated if he carries on this form even though he signed a new contract i worry a championship team may come in um, and take a chance that he will get back to his 14-15 form. Any thoughts on Bishop's form, first and foremost, Harry? Because he was good on Saturday, I thought. He was a, he was a breath whether, of fresh air. Um, and whether anyone might come in for him. God, I hope not. Um, he was an absolute breath of fresh air on Saturday, wasn't he? He was brilliant. I loved watching him play. He was It was like Teddy of old, really, um, just knifing his way through. And really, you could see him getting inside Stoke players' heads. No question about that. You could see they were... That they were conscious of him, and he was also lifting the crowd and taking us for up the field. Yeah, that it's, was really important, wasn't it? Yeah, I just hope I'd, I, every player has a price, and if we do go down, it, it, the the Marcus will have his beloved calculator out. I've no doubts, but um, my Abacus hope probably more likely. Yeah, yeah, I just well, I just hope he would be one. I would be. I, w- I really would fear losing him because I would love him to have a brilliant season with us and he could tear it up in League One. Yeah. I always worry about people. There is that fear that when people are given new contracts, it's with a view to making sure that we price in 
our value to them so therefore we can sell them on at a decent profit but i hope not in his case i would love him to stay i really would Agreed. it was a joy it was a joy seeing him it really was i still remember his goal against ports against bournemouth i should say in the famous two-all draw it was such a clever oh, side footed shot sure, yeah that, that great great game yeah anyway mm. yep um a new new era ipsis john asks um on a similar kind of theme about um under 23s and under 18s now now um Lambert settled on a formation where we see the under-23s and the under-18s mirroring this. And do you think we could see Ndaba, Dobrell, Bailey Clements break into the team before the end of the season? We've kind of talked about that. Um, yeah. Any thoughts about the idea that the 18s and 23s mirror the diamond? Because I don't think they did it on Monday. Do you think they should? Is that something that you like, a con- continuity <coughs> throughout the the under-18 academy uh, teams? Yeah. I'm less hung up on formations. It's more pattern to play for me. As long as we're all, the, the big problem was, I think, with Mick, that the pathway up to the under 23s was, as we've seen under Brian, it was passing, geometric, pass and move play, technical, etc. And then you suddenly, bang, you went up to Mick. <laughs> And yes. there was the, yeah, and there was the pathway suddenly, you know, the, you know, somebody, you know, the bridge of death had been put in place, you know, and you, you know, from Monty Python, you know, could you get across it kind of thing? It was, um, it was almost impossible. And it was he talked about that a lot in today's press conference. Um, he did talk about the pathway, kind of, didn't was, he? Quite a lot. He did, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's less about formation, and it's more about style of play and thinking. Formations tell you so much, but it's then what you do with the ball because you know you can play four four two any number of different ways so i think i think there will be a stronger i think there will be a stronger court i think and i think lambert absolutely believes it and he's probably the manager that um evans has got who is most wedded to making that connection listening to the, the people that we've had before and seeing what we're seeing on the pitch i think so in that case in that situation cause for great optimism mm. yeah mm-hmm. um Benjamin Aria, um should we drop down um, to League One next season? Will Marcus inevitably have to change the way the club is run, and will there also be changes to the way the academy is used? Um, just a thought for me on this one. I had a bit of a debate quite early on when it looked like our season wasn't going to pan out as way we hoped. Um, the academy funding, and um, we're Category Two. I think the academy funding is is separated out from the losses that we're allowed to make for financial fair play. But yeah. that money has to come from somewhere, doesn't it? We've already the the figure that's been quoted is seven million down to seven hundred k for the TV yeah. money. My fear has always been, I know that Marcus Evans kind of talks about the importance of the academy, is that if you're putting one million pound a year into a category two academy at League One where your turnover is less, that to me is a really easy way to get some money back and maybe downgrade it to a category three, perhaps. Um, any thoughts on what Marcus might do, Marcus Evans might do to cut our cloth more accordingly? Any concerns about the academy from your perspective? I fear than Marcus likes a cheap player, um, and the academy is a good source of cheap players. Um, there is that way of looking at it, yeah. um, and I I think that would be an area where he would be less inclined to accom- to compromise. Um, particularly given that it's one of the key points of his five-point plan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> inverted yeah, commas. On the, yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if you know that would that would be that would be risible if he did. Um, so that's one point. Um, I but I do think just as equally, it is dangerous to think. I don't think many of us are that just because we dropped down to League One, we can fill the team with Josh Emanuel's because Josh Emanuel got promoted with um, Rotherham. It's you still have to have the balance between youth and experience within the team. And in that sense, there are dangers. It's, I don't think it. I, I can't see much changing. I think it does give more opportunities, though, for some for us to bring through players. 
as long as we keep the balance between youth and experience. I can't see, I think if Marcus is going to lose anything, he will lose the expense of players more readily than he will lose the academy. Mm. Yeah, that's my I think that's, turns that's around my reading the, of it. The Mick philosophy yeah. of giving players big wages. Um, on that point, Harvey, who yeah. uh, I met on um, Saturday, um, if the rumours are right about um, that Bart is on um, big money, um, do we have to sell him once we get relegated? Can, um, he can see that being a potential problem with him on a long-term contract. Um, yeah. There's a lot of chat about players on big um, wage reduction percentages because of relegation, but any thoughts on Bart's situation particularly as a new contract last summer? Yeah, we, it's a hard one. He could be, I remember was it Nikola Zigic was, was it with Birmingham? Yeah, great show, yeah. And and he was on something like 70,000 a week, uh, you know, when the club, you know, he was an absolute millstone around their, yeah, around, around their, ankles as it were and they couldn't do anything about it um he played professionally he did everything he could when he was there but you know he's he, they you know you the expect fact that so he, much more from those players though don't you at that money, money. yeah yeah, yeah you, you know your 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 poor judgment sort of slaps you on the face for doing it and I, you, you could argue that bart's form this season has not reflected his salary if if he if that is the case um and you know if you if you could if we could lose his salary off the off you know off the books it with a heavy heart you might say well maybe it's time for you know to to draw a line under it but then again we've seen what he's like at his best that's the other it's 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 a very difficult one i do think players who are on high salaries there aren't that many of them i don't think that's the thing we're not we're not going down way down with a large number of them but i think that because the the there has been a fairly carefully nurtured wage structure from looking in from the outside. I would, but I would, I think Bart would be the most likely to go given what he's on. If assuming that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, in terms, in terms of drawing a line under an era, um, Arthur Pickthorn asked the last two games were the second and third times in six years that neither Chambers or Scoose has started. Is it an end of an era there? Mm. This came up last week, and it really set me thinking. It was a brilliant question because we always assume excuse, excuse, excuse. In he goes. You know, he, we know what he does. He does it so well. And Lambert said that you know, there's simply you know, if, if he can keep excuse next season, by all means he will. Not just for what he does on the pitch, what he does off the field as well. Him and Chambers, in terms of keeping the right balance of youth and experience, if you can have those two incredibly experienced players anchoring the team acting as a spine in league one that would be it would be absolutely superb mm. but for the first time for the first time i began to think if we are changing our style of play use this perfect in the mick world he really was where you're protected for it's very static it's very it's you know sort of praetorian guard football you know you're you're you're, you're, you're man, the, man the barricades Maris. Skews could pick a brilliant forward pass, and we noticed in his final season under Mick, he was getting up the field a lot more. He was trying to add, add that side to his game, but he isn't as natural at doing it as others. Mm. And it did make me wonder that if, that if Lambert is moving to a really fluid style of play, that you might see, you know, Skews not feature so much. But then again, Alexander Teddy was at Norwich. You know, you can, there is a role for Skews in the team, I think. I'd, but, um, but I, it was the first time last week and I realised actually, you know, you can suddenly see a future beyond him, which is interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. Think I, I don't know if you'd agree. Yeah, well, Lambert talked to them both up today, didn't he? He was quite yeah, um, he did. high praise. I think I think of the pair of them, you can see less of, you know, Chambers probably being more important and a more likely yeah. starter than Scoose perhaps next season. Um, yeah. I'd 
personally we talked about this before as well keep them around just for their experience you know maybe this is the yeah. time to give them player con uh, player coach contracts and oh, totally. yeah. start to move that evolve in that direction um, yeah, but it, I think it'd be a shame to see both of them leave. And, oh, no, and I, quite, I quite like no. Chambers' kind of attitude of, if we go down, if I'm the captain, to take us down, or I'm the captain, to take us back Great, up. Back up again. I love that. I want to yep. give him the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, hear her. Mm. Um, Jack Barham, um, do you think uh, we will set out the team the same way we have the last two games, or do you think we'll change it? Maybe Edwards on a right wing as he impressed when he came on against Stoke. Any thoughts on? How we ended the game against Stoke and whether Edwards maybe have played himself into an, a starting option. He was bright. He was definitely very bright. And you know, when you when we look at yet another flaky left winger, and I think that was partly in Lambert's thinking as well with Lucas. Poor Lucas. He's a good player, but he didn't look that confident with the ball. And Stoke players on their match day thread were actually praising him. I read the match day thread under the Sunday, and they said he had a good game. I just felt he was very nervous. Tentative was the word I would say. And Edwards definitely was getting some joy down that side against him. Um, you could argue with Wigan having a flaky left back that you know we could you know we could get at them you know you know give, give Kai Smith give Kai Naismith an, an afternoon to think about yeah. um I think it's it would be tactical more than anything else I think he'll probably stick with the diamond if he's found a model that's working leave it as that and then throw Edwards on if we need a goal with half an hour to go yeah yeah that's exactly what I was thinking um yeah, uh, yeah. a couple more um to so um Andy Grimes, we've talked about the academy under twenty three players. I hope that's okay. Um, I just wanted to ask one question about judging Keen. I'm trying to find it now. Where's Braz's question? Um, do you think um, there is any sign that the recent crop of youngsters signing professional contracts? I mean, the departure of the mm -hmm. likes of Judging Keen in the summer will be. I know they're not permanent players, but um, he thinks there's a very big squad at the moment. Obviously, quite a lot of them on short term deals or loans. Yeah. Any view that the, these pro, pro deals for, for academy players is setting them up for the first team next season, or is it just um, a sign of the future? It's a sign of the future, I would say, more than anything else. It's easier to, to blood them in League One and see what they're capable of and let them build get a track record of experience just like Josh Emanuel did you know he got a virtually played the whole season so you're kind of building your memory bank so you've got things to look back on your videos to analyze you've got all of that to go with but um I can't see a whole a team full of them and ideally ideally we would keep judging if you keep judging Keane a spine then of Chambers excuse judge Keane in mm. League One would be, you know, you, you know, no one's going to argue with that. Hold mm. that thought, and and, and Mullet's kind of added the, the angle in here about, um, and similar to the Bishop question actually about whether tying them down to contracts is is to generate as much money about them as possible. Um, any thoughts on that? I wouldn't put that past Marcus at all. Oh no, he's you know, there's it's a was it the my the Italian mate Vince talks about, and or he's a Napoli fan. It talks about or De Laurentiis. Famously, was every player has a price, being no doubt no player is beyond selling. Everybody does have a price, even so Andre in that or, sense. Yeah. Even yeah, exactly. You can't you, you know. Well, especially Andre perhaps. Yeah, exactly. But is that, so in that sense, there will yeah that will be part of literally part of Evans's calculations. No mm. question about that. Yeah. I'll end with this one from Will Airy. Um, if we were to get relegated, um, who would be our most important player in League One? Gosh. I'll allow you to include potential signings that are currently on short-term deals or loans if you want to go that way. Okay. Bloody hell. That's, that's, I'll try not to pause too long. I'm just sort of on this one. Um, that's, a, that's a hell of a question. Um, 
who would you the 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 the, the, the cold logical answer would be Chambers in terms of the balance that he would bring to the team. But the other obvious the other obvious player, if we can dream of keeping him as judge, mm. because he would be you know, if he you know, if he because he's apart from his one serious injury, he's generally not been a player plagued with fitness problems. And you could just see him running riot in League One next year. Yeah. You really could. It's it just he would be you know, he would be every defensive midfielder's nightmare you don't know where he'd pop up it was you know he was the way he played against Stoke I mean let's you know finish on this thought it was a joy to watch him he was everywhere you know one stage he'd be over on the left wing next day he, he virtually had a free role almost the way he was operating in the team and he was but he was popping up he knew where to be to cause put question marks in Stoke's heads it was fantastic and the whole team being brought forward and the way he was galvanizing everybody as well it was the leadership as much as anything so no I guess well, you know, I love I love Chambers. I love him to bits. But in terms of causing mayhem in League One, I would have Judge, no question. Yeah, yeah great shout. And I'll lob in um, Caden Jackson into the mix. Oh, God, yes. Go on. Uh, maybe your Ellis Harrison. That's interesting, yeah. I, I think, um, you yeah. know, we've talked about Hurst with their, signing with their, with their know-how. a stretch too far being in the championship. But I think a league below, um, I think Caden Jackson or Ellis Harrison are good for 15, 20 goals. Um, no question. Possibly. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I like Judge. I'd love if we keep Judge. I'd be really confident. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Really would. Excellent. Mm. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. Sorry for the ones we didn't have time to read out. There was quite a lot of questions about the academy, so I think we've covered that quite well. Um, if yeah. I do say so myself. Um, and um, yeah, so let's um, finish off with some plugs, shall we? Um, do you want to do yours, Harry? Then I'll finish off with mine. Absolutely. The notes, the weekend notes go up on TWTD at lunchtime tomorrow and you can find them on at Harry from Bath. I always link them on my Twitter feed. So if you follow me on at, at Harry from Bath, you'll get the link will pop up at lunchtime tomorrow. Brilliant stuff. Um, you can follow me at Ipswich um, and the channel at Blue Monday ITFC. Um, and again, um, be delighted if you guys can watch uh, the top 10 sliding doors moments video that we've got out there now um the flagship show is back on sunday um it'll be um ben and amy um and me and harry will arm wrestle to decide who is the third <laughs> member of the team um to join yeah. them on a sunday afternoon um but looking forward to that and we're both going to wigan aren't we harry Indeed, looking forward to it. Greatly looking forward to it. Same. Yes, yeah. I've heard many things. The the, the red the reading of the north, by all accounts. So uh, the of the north. fun, to, fun uh, <laughs> Can't can't wait. I can't wait. Fingers yeah. crossed, eh? Have a great yeah. Indeed. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants.
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.